Coming up today on Locked On Texas Tech, Bacho, Ball Carriers, and Big 12 Business. You are Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're going to start this thing off right. Everything runs through Lubbock. Thanks for joining us again on Locked On Texas Tech on the Locked On Podcast Network with the only Chris Level. I'm Casey Cowan. Thanks for making us your first listen on YouTube or anywhere you get podcasts. Always appreciate you being out there. And uh, Chris, after we spent some time talking football on yesterday's episode, we knew we'd be back in that realm today, but the basketball god said, nope, you will immediately be back in a hardwood frame of mind because we had some interesting news uh, yesterday on the Texas Tech hoops front. I don't know if it's wholly unexpected or anything like that with coaching turnover. I, I don't know if anything can be ruled out, <laughs> you know, as far as potential moves, but Daniel Bacho has entered the transfer portal and he becomes the latest Texas Tech freshman with a lot of potential that will not realize that potential in a Texas Tech uniform. I don't guess but that's why I turned to you to uh, get some perspective maybe on what's involved in the move as we see it right now, and then maybe what's on the other side of this for Bacho or for Texas Tech or both. Yeah, you know, any of these guys leaving or entering the portal is not necessarily going to surprise me. Not, no, there's not a one of them that it's not going to just going to be like, oh, man, I'm just absolutely shocked that this would happen. Um. But this one, I I don't mind saying this one stings because I think he's a piece that you would have liked to have uh, have uh, kept or built around. I, I think when he's right, he's really good. And I think there was two different versions of Daniel Bacho this year. There was non-conference and then there was the conference version. The non-conference version was very, very good. The conference version was a bit all over the place and injured and not near as good, uh, but you still have, you're talking about a player with multiple years of eligibility left and somebody that I think on the defensive end of the floor is an asset. And I think what, what it, you know, he was at the press conference uh, with coach McCaslin. And so, which I, I was hopeful about uh, that he would uh, opt to stay here. What I don't know is see, he's used his, He's used his one-time exception to transfer here from Arizona with no penalty, and so does he get a waiver? And and if if so, is that granted? Uh, because I I think there's a possibility that he could be. He may have different information, uh, and if so, then then I'll be wrong. But I, I think there's a possibility he could have to sit a year if he does indeed transfer. Uh, but if he gets a waiver, then obviously he would be eligible immediately. But I believe he's used up his one-time freebie, if if that makes sense. But Can I ask you a question really quickly about that waiver? Because I, I've read some stuff, it seems like, here recently that's pointed towards maybe the NCAA or, or some leadership uh, kind of wanting to tamper down on some of the free will and waivers here or there. Do you get any feel for, I don't know, odds lessening or growing compared to some recent years? Yeah, so the reason that the NCAA basically came in and and said we want to 
give everybody, hey, you know, all these waivers and and it's just it's just a mountain of paperwork. Uh, you know, the, the, there is no deadline. We'll get to it when we can get to it. I think that they would more often than not grant the waiver, but it just took a while. I mean, perfect example is Kosai Eldridge. We're yeah. as we sit here and talk, we're still waiting on on the results of that, and they couldn't tell you if they'll know, you know, tomorrow or if they'll know two months from now. You know, I think at some point, <laughs> you know, somebody like Kosai Eldridge will have to go. Okay, I waited long enough. I haven't heard anything. I've got to I've got to make a decision about my life and what what right. direction that that goes. But so you know, w- with that in mind, the NCAA basically comes in and says, you know, we don't want to deal with this anymore. So you know what? We'll just say everybody gets a, they can transfer wherever they want one time, and that way it removes a lot of this off of our desk, and we don't get criticized for, you know, denying a waiver or the time that it takes, whatever. It just removes the problem from the NCAA's uh, desk. Yeah. But what you have here is you have, let's just say that Daniel Baccio had an issue with Mark Adams or had an issue with somebody on the staff and the way things went down, a coach was, you know, suspended and then and then ultimately either stepped down, asked to step down, fired, whatever, the point remains the same. Could he file a waiver on on uh, the grounds of mental anguish, mental health issues, or whatever, because of everything that he endured? Yeah, yeah I mean, very possible, and, it, right. and it's very possible he could be granted uh, such a waiver. So, uh, but but that's the that that's what you're dealing with, and then but like the, the the Lamar Washingtons, the Elijah Fishers, they can go anywhere without penalty right now. You know, right. no 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 problems. Um, the Davion Harmons, the Jalen Tysons. The Demorion Williams, the Kerwin Waltons, the Daniel Bachos. Uh, I may have missed somebody there, but they've all used up their one-time freebie, so they would have to either go through a waiver process or, in fact, sit out uh, a year. So that's what I could tell you there. But ultimately, to wrap it up, like on that topic, it it, it basically suggests to me because Fardal Zamac, I don't think we have any plans on him being in a Red Raider uniform anymore. Kevin O'Banner has graduated. Daniel Baccio is now in the portal, you know, w- w- at the top of the list for Grant McCaslin will need to be some size. Yes. Uh, yeah. M- multiple, multiple players that can play the four and the five spot um, and Robert Jennings in the portal as well. Yep. So, you know, you, you had four guys that kind of man the four and five spots this, she- this season for you. And they're all either have graduated or are in the portal. So, that that is definitely something that uh, he will have to to try to replace, and that's easier said than done. Oh yeah, everybody wants the same thing. Yeah. Uh, somebody there in that front court to be patrolling the paint, but at the same time be versatile. And Texas Tech has really made a lot of hay uh, on some of those types of players over the last half decade to a decade. When you think of guys like um santos silva you think of uh owen certainly even going back to like zach smith i mean some of those guys that can and it, it was a different era then so not so much asked to do the same things defensively but uh who was out there at the top of the key playing d uh when you're trying to knock off number one and waco a season ago in the final seconds it was your five <laughs> and credit right. to him to, to be able to do such a thing but yeah it's easier said than done 
Uh, Chris, they may come knocking on our doors to uh, ask the Twin Towers of Locked On Texas Tech maybe to man that four and five because uh, these elbows are still sharp. You know, I ain't got any taller, but the elbows are still sharp, and I got the want to. Yeah, I, I think they might be in trouble if they make that request. But uh, hey, why- Nowhere to go but up. <laughs> I can give them a few trips up and down the floor, but that's going to be about it. Hey, I just saw, yeah. uh, I think also yesterday or maybe a couple days ago, uh, our old buddy Russell Chewa got Chua, Chewa got back into the transfer portal. There's some size. <laughs> you, do we still have his number in the Rolodex? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Vlad, Vlad Goldie. I mean, it's just amazing how many bigs have come through here and they don't have a long – shelf life even the ones that were successful were barely here like Tariq Owens as you mentioned even Marcus Santos Silva as well but um yeah that that is top of the shopping list I think for Grant McCaslin on trying to uh build build your roster Uh, again because if you're going to be really good on defense you have to have rim protection you have to have rebounding you've got to have versatility uh with that if you're going to kind of switch on defense because you've got to be willing to have an athletic enough of a a player that can, you know, at least hold his own in a one-on-one situation with a guard that's got the ball in his hands. And those are, I mean, again, those are very difficult to find the, the, uh, and and there's just very few guys that are like, say like a Zaire Smith, that was a bit of a unicorn from the standpoint of Zaire Smith was a freshman, but he could guard anybody on the floor one through five and do it pretty darn well and those those types are but you can't you can't really build your team around those types but that that was a draft pick there um i just give you that example but um he was he was a bit undersized but strong and could jump and athleticism off the charts so yeah i will we'll kind of see uh what else comes our way as far as the portal goes but uh these kids have kind of waited uh patiently and Maybe there's conversations that haven't necessarily been what they've wanted to hear or it's Coach McCaslin's decision either way. And, and it doesn't mean that Daniel Bacho or Robert Jennings or Elijah Fisher couldn't return here. I'm, in fact, in some ways, I'll be surprised if you don't get somebody that's in the portal now to stay here, but yeah. they can now be contacted by everybody in the country. Yeah, so uh, still remains interesting stories with all of these guys that have, for the time being, I guess, left – uh, the realm of Texas Tech, but they could be back. So don't want to turn out the lights on anyone as far as paying attention to some of these guys. But if it wasn't at the top of the list is uh, being bumped near the top of the list, that shopping list that is for Grant McCaslin. Talk about some front court size and trying to rebuild something there defensively. And by the way, NCAA, what are you doing? Your, your entire existence day to day is to justify your desk. And you're trying to get stuff off the desk? You clear the desk off, all of a sudden somebody's going to realize you don't need a desk. What, what are you even here for? Why do you have an office? Brother, the mission is justify your desk at this point in the NCAA's existence. You want stacks of manila folders <laughs> to be piling up. So I think you may want to reverse that course. We'll see. Okay, hard left, though. We're sticking with the double T. We're heading over to Joey McGuire's spring camp. Yesterday, we got into a conversation about some offensive positional groups and wanted to get – a little bit more specific today on that side of the ball with your collection of ball carriers. There are some new names, obviously, to consider as well. A returner who has proven in the Big 12 and Taj Brooks. But one guy we only got a glimpse of a season ago. We're going to hear from him and we'll get some thoughts from Chris on what Cameron Valdez could bring to the Tech backfield in year two. 
under Zach Kitley and Joey McGuire. That's next on Locked On Texas Tech. But first, today's episode brought to you by America's number one sports book, FanDuel. And with the NCAA tournament on and popping right now is the perfect time to get busy, get signed up, and get started with FanDuel. And right now, new customers are in a prime spot to be on the receiving end of that no sweat first bet. We're talking up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet don't bank, baby. $1,000. So just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no sweat First bet, then you can lay it all on the line on everything from the money line to point spreads, which team is cutting down the nets, all on an app that's safe, secure, super easy to use, even if you're a first timer. So don't miss your shot at the no sweat first bet up to 1000 bucks when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up and make every moment more with FanDuel. Glad to have you along for the ride on Locked On Texas Tech on the Locked On Podcast Network with Chris Level. I'm Casey Cowan coming to you from west of the 100th Meridian right here in the great state where it's really going down. Chris, you and I spent some time talking football yesterday, and part of that was spent on the offensive side of the ball where really we're coming off of a year that was smacked by adversity, specifically on that side of the ball over and over and over, whether it was Uh, some injury news or things like that up front with the offensive line before the season even began, or obviously having to flip the script a couple of times with your quarterback position as the season continued to roll on. There was a whole lot to process, and we're hoping for maybe a a couple fewer things to process on the adversity front in year two under Zach Kitley. But the effort was admirable. At the end of the year, you did enough to be a part of a winning season and a season that did mean something to your fans, given some of the opponents you beat and the way you finished it. I said yesterday, I thought that to me, it was bar none running backs a season ago, your most reliable offensive position group. I thought Sir Roger Thompson, Taj Brooks, known commodities. When the, you have the ball in their hands, for the most part, I, I feel comfortable uh, in their ability to be productive. One of those is out of here. One remains. That group remains a really interesting one. And I know, in part uh, because of a guy that, as I said a second ago, we just saw kind of flashes of a season ago. Had some injuries of his own to deal with. Eventually got on the field, but Cameron Valdez is one of the more intriguing names, I think, on the Tech roster anywhere headed into this season. We'll hear from him in just a minute talking about the experience a season ago. But, Chris, I guess the intrigue in large part is based on the fact that he's quite a bit different than what we were accustomed to with your frontline rushing attack, that being Thompson. And Brooks, very physical guys. Valdez has got some of that, but he's got some lightning to him as well, it seems like. Yeah, I I think um, that Valdez may have as much to do with your view of your overall team speed on offense as much as anybody. Um, And and I'm I'm throwing Dre McCray in there as well because I think those two players, one and 1A, change the dynamic a bit because Valdez, I mean, you just kept being told and, and as last season would go, you'd, you'd, you'd kept hearing Valdez's name where we think we're going to get him back. Uh, Joey kept mentioning that in media settings and, 
and it just never, you know, he, he was kind of dealing with an injury and then I think he was just back and then he had a, another setback and all, and all those things. And I think we, we got to see some glimpses of him in the, in the bowl game, but he, he's a different kind of runner than Sir Roderick and Taj. There's zero doubt about it. I think that he's got pure speed. It's not world-class speed, but I think that when you see him and you and I talked about this as last season went along, when we would get, a glimpse. It's like when he would get the ball and the few times that we would see him, it just looked different. Sometimes it was at the end of games. Uh, I think that the the play in the bowl game where he almost scores a touchdown and gets the ball poked out uh, on the goal line, but you see the speed um, and, and he's kind of a different style of runner. He doesn't, you know, Taj and Sir Roderick are tough. They're in between the tackles guys. They're going to get the, the dirty yards and, you know, convert third downs. You're going to have a hard time bringing them down. This is a guy, though, that is a threat to go the distance every time he touches it. He's not going to dance a lot, um, and he'll tell you, I, I just make my one move, and then boom, I'm north-south. And uh, and I think it, it, that's very different than what we've been used to in the last two to four years, whatever it's been, with, with that other duo. And, and, it, and it speaks to this is one of the weaknesses of your offense last year. I think we touched on this a couple of times, but I'll remind everybody, you your long run of the year last year was 38 yards mm-hmm. and you know who was responsible for it Cameron Valdez right <laughs> Bry- Bryson Donnell also had a 38 yard run we'll get to him in a second I was gonna guess Tyler Shuck maybe I was gonna go Ty- for a knuckleball, Ty- knuckleball. I-, I-, I looked this up uh, <laughs> earlier just to be sure uh but let's see yeah Shuck had one he his long was 36. the, <laughs> yeah. the point though is that the point of the whole thing is that there are eight programs in the country last year that did not have a run for 40 yards or more eight. Okay. Unfortunately you were in that category. And when you go to 50 yards or more, there was only 20 teams that didn't have a run of 50 yards or more. You're obviously in that category as well. And so I just think it makes life so much easier if you have somebody that can kind of, do some damage or, or make something of nothing, whether it's a screen pass, whether it's a run, we're talking about strictly rushes here, but that, that is you, you are on the wrong side of that stat. And so with that, you know, you, you, you've got to call an extra play and avoid getting a penalty or avoid a turnover and all those things as opposed to hitting a home run and then putting a lot of pressure on the, on the defense and you can save some of those plays and, and, and all those things. But Valdez is somebody that can do that. And I think I'm, I'm as excited. He will be a, a surprise to many, many people that aren't very familiar with the roster. They're going to say, where did this come from? This kid come from, where's he been? What happened to him last year? Uh, and all those things, but he's a young kid. It's got it all in front of him. And, and I, I just think he's been a bit dinged up since he's gotten here. He's a good kid. Uh, I, I think he's he's very mature. I think in some ways it was probably good for him to to sit and watch a bit. Yeah, let's take a listen to a Cameron Valdez, uh, pride and joy of Rockdale, Texas. Was a four star recruit. He was not unknown to the football universe a couple of years ago in the class of twenty one. Had Power Five offers all over the map. So an exciting time if we're getting near that time of seeing him in more of a full time role and maybe with a chance to blossom. Uh, on the field for Texas Tech. But, of course, last year, as I mentioned, adversity was clearly a part of his season, and he spoke this week on the impact that had 
on not only his present, but probably his future as well. Meeting out uh, was good for me uh, from a, a learning standpoint, from learning from Todd and Roger. Uh, they gave me two different two different looks and two different backs to kind of take away from with the passing, running, you know, everything. And I feel like that kind of gave me another step ahead while being back just to grow my game. Yeah, and again, I, I think it's probably not fun as you're living through it, but I think as you look yeah. back on that time and, you know, because th- those Saturdays are hard when you're not suiting up with your, your buddies and, and getting to play and, and all that stuff and kind of riding the wave. Uh, but, you know, I think when you look back on it, that's a that's a mature thought process for him to have that he can, you know, I think it was probably good for him to, to sit. And it would, again, we, we saw this, it was going to be difficult to feed the mouths of like three running backs, the way that they ran it. Um, but, you know, Joey talked about this at the onset of spring. I think only he either said like either one team or no teams have won the big 12 championship since 99 that haven't ran it for over 2000 yards as a team. And Texas tech mm. did that last year. They were just over that. It took the bowl game to get over that, that number. Cause I think they ran for 2072 yards and your quarterbacks. But, well, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Just a running back conversation, Co- correct? But I think that that they they know, and and Zach, people think that he just wants to throw it sometimes, and this and that. No, he he very much wants to be balanced. Uh, don't misunderstand that at all. Knows how important that is. Not afraid to run his quarterback. Not afraid to to run it uh, on fourth down or third down or whatever it may be. But uh, yeah, I mean, Cameron Valdez is a name to know for sure. Three quarterbacks gave their lives for that 2,000-yard <laughs> mark. We lost a good, a lot of good men out there. Hell, we were just boys, Chris, but they were willing to lay it on the line. I mean, I won't forget the Saturday night in Ames, Iowa, where I'm like, all right, Tyler Shuck's body, I guess, good to go because he is uh, sending it, <laughs> so to speak, over and over and over. And you know that's going to be a part of it again. They want the quarterback yep. to be a part of it. And I can't wait uh, for the the – I guess, variety between potentially just the frontline guys, if that's who it is proven to be, but Taj Brooks and Cameron Valdez. You're going to have quite uh, the mix up there for defenses to counter with, but I don't want to cut off anybody else on that list. You already mentioned the name, Bryson Donnell, but uh, who else is kind of on that radar to maybe factor in? You, you know, I, I think right now the the one-two would be Taj and Cameron Valdez. I think Bryson Donnell is a tough kid. I know Kenny Perry loves Bryson Donnell. And I think, you know, he, he's he's built in the 210, 215 range. Yeah. Um, I think he's a bit faster than than like your Sir Rodericks and Taj. But again, he's got a lot to learn. And so much about being running back is is everything that they are asked to do that has nothing to do with carrying the ball. Right. Pass protection, catching it, uh, j- just all those kinds of things. Can we and leave so, you on the field? Or are there like all these yeah. little specific plays and moments where we got to compensate for you and get you off? I mean – Obviously, that that's not going to lead to a whole lot of snaps if you're in that latter category. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. That's why there's a, you know, an NFL position created called third down back because that that's somebody that can do some of the things that maybe the, the primary guy can't necessarily uh, do. I, I would mention that the names uh, uh, Anquan Willis as a signee from Wichita Falls writer. I think there was some thought. He could do some different things for your team, maybe even play linebacker. I think right now he's still at running back, and I think that that's gone pretty well. He missed most of last uh, his senior season, 
Uh, I think got hurt uh, late in September, and so he missed most of, of last season. But I think he's healthy now, and I think he's looks the part and all that. And then the other kind of oh X factor or or tricky you know kind of caveat to throw in here is that Nehemiah Martinez uh, could could in fact see a few reps at running back on occasion. Um, but you know, and, and Zach's not afraid to line up Miles Price in the backfield or the Dre McCrays of the world and kind of. Oh, really yeah. have really have fun with it and put pressure on the on the defense uh, when you start kind of toying with some of that stuff. But I mean, primary running backs, you know, Taj, Cameron Valdez, Donnell Willis, and then I, w- I would throw in Nehemiah Martinez in there as well. I saw him do that in high school. He does it very very well. He's kind of transitioned to slot. He can return. So you, you got a lot of Swiss Army knife uh, type guys back there. Yeah, some carries out of the slot, uh, like mm-hmm. you said there. We saw last year for some of these guys and. Man, just to have that versatility and ability with anybody in there uh, with the ball in their hands to sometimes maybe uh, make chicken soup out of chicken spit or just make something happen whenever you're trying to bring a drive to an end and get in the end zone, like you alluded to earlier, man, those 12 and 13 play drives. I mean, they put the onus on you to not screw something up over and over and over again. If you can cut that short uh, with a home run hitter, uh, I don't think there's any offense in the country that wouldn't benefit from that or obviously the team at large, man. So looking forward to seeing that group once again. O-line running backs is what makes the world go round. I, I didn't know that, but I can't be surprised. Uh, I won't fact check Joey McGuire, but possibly since 99, nobody's winning a Big 12 ship without a 2,000-plus yard season from the team. I mean, makes sense. Look, here on Locked on Texas Tech, every week is run the damn ball week, even in early <laughs> April. Even in early April, Chris, we're, we're still banging that drum. You know, and, th- and that's why I, I think because people jump to the conclusion of, man, why would you run Tyler? You know, he's, he's been injury prone this that. But if you if you look at it, you know, when, when he when he got hurt uh, early in the last season, he just didn't slide or I mean, he, he kind of put himself in a harm's way or just wasn't um, as careful as maybe he's in, as he needed to be. And I think you look at uh, Baron Morton when he got dinged up, he just kind of got hit low and late. Uh, there in Stillwater, and it kind of messed his ankle up a little bit, but it wasn't like he was out there and 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 running and and putting himself in harm's way and not sliding and all those. But this is also why, you know, I think Tyler is up to about. I think I mentioned that the other day. He's up to about two thirty five. Mm-hmm. He's he's put together, and I think that was part of the reason why you want to give him that extra eight to ten pounds just to deliver blows handle blows and not 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 that he was fragile but you get what i'm saying it'll only help him as long as it doesn't cost him speed he's not running away from anybody he's a smart runner i think with his leverage and angles because you mentioned the end of the uh, iowa state game What, what i thought was fascinating and i was just i was smiling from ear to ear because that was the kind of game and the conditions and the zero degree temperatures when you're up 14 to 10 i think it was and you're basically trying to ice the game they start going QB power, yeah. and it looks like Kansas State and Colin Klein. It's just like we're, we're going to put everybody over here, and then we're going to tell our quarterback, okay, you just kind of run around a little bit and just sit and patient and then go get you three, go get you none, whatever, but let's mm. work the clock and, and all those things. And I think it was good, smart football. I loved it. I was oh, like, yeah. this has been done to Texas Tech for so many years. <laughs> right. It was nice to dish it back out, man. And oh. uh yeah, so it was incredible. If you can see my leg right now under the desk, it's kicking like a cocker spaniel because that scratched me right where I itched. I love to see it, and I hope you see it play out 
over and over again, which partly does include a lead late in the game to hold yeah. on to. So you got to establish true. that first. We'll remember that part of things. All right. Yeah. Some interesting stuff there as far as ball carriers of several varieties are concerned, not just those with RB by their name on the depth chart. Before we are out of here, we're covering all of the above. The big umbrella coming up next, because while we have been keeping, well, basically uh, a close investigative look on basketball interests here locally, uh, all over the map, Chris, there are some things that will affect us locally that are happening or maybe not happening as it relates to television agreements, conference futures, and conference destruction. Who's staying? Who's going? We'll get to some of the latest as we get to the end of this week because things being reported that certainly seem like it would not lead to uh, an extended future much longer uh, with the status quo, say in Pac-12 country, just as an example. We'll get to more of that coming up next before we're done on Locked on Texas Tech. Locked on Texas Tech, your first listen on YouTube or anywhere you get podcasts with Chris Level. I'm Casey Cowan, wrapping up today's episode with some thoughts from the left coast, Chris, because as it seemed like, I think to you, I, and several others, uh, some writing has been on the wall as it relates purely to numbers and monetary advantage or disadvantage for the Pac-12 Conference, the Big 12 Conference, and so many across the country. In that former realm, Power 5 categories that are trying to maintain some pace now that the Big Ten and the SEC really positioning themselves to break away. The Big 12 somehow, someway, seems like they have solidified their standing and clearly you've got now a commissioner with a new television agreement and so many other things that make your situation seem well beyond tenable, uh, hopefully profitable and lucrative in many years moving forward for member institutions. But for the Pac-12 conference, Chris, there have been so many things said and reported. Either way, as it seems like there's water carrying in media circles, <gasps> a journalist carrying water for powerful interest. <gasps> I know that's a difficult thought to process for anyone out there, but the latest round of reports this week, man, suggesting again, just more horror on the television front for the Pac-12. One report you and I saw this week, I think from CBS Sports, Dennis Dodd, suggesting that maybe the most recent television agreement offer would indicate that you may have at most only 50% of your conference games on a linear, uh, i.e. Uh, network platform, whether that be cable or uh, over-the-air networks. That ain't good. I think the Big 12 agreement is something like 70% at minimum, 70% minimum, 50% maximum. You get the difference here? Not good things for the Pac-12 conference. And I don't know, man, I, I, I'm getting a little bit of an itchy trigger finger here, I think, if I'm some of those with other options. Yeah, you know, they are uh, they are 14 months away from their media agreements expiring. And I, that's unheard of yes. in, in this business. It's not really, nobody's ever redlined it like this before. 
that's why it continues to be written about. It continues to be speculated on. And you're starting to get people that are antsy or, or speaking with, with a lot of bravado and confidence. Oh, we're good. You know, whatever. It, it, but it's elicited a lot of uh, conversation, emotion and articles like the one we're kind of talking about here. But, you know, I, I think there's a lot of smart people in this business and in the, in the industry that have kind of been able to nail down this group's not involved. This group's not involved. This group may be involved just a little bit. And I, I think the premise, you know, for, for the Pac-12 decision makers is essentially, you know, they've, they've got to figure out what is most important to them. And that may not be the same for everybody. And two, they may not get what is most important for them or they may have to make a move. Because if, if, if getting the most money is most important for them, they probably can go get more money than the Big 12, but you're going to have the argument of if a tree falls in the forest, you know, kind of argument. And and it's just you, you kind of it's hard for your brand to be built when it's when it's largely a streaming platform. I do think there is enough money if they piecemealed it together where they could eclipse the Big 12 deal. But that's not necessarily the goal. It's trying to get the most money while being seen by the most people. And I don't know if that that option right there is necessarily on the table. If, if, if a lot of these uh, folks are right, that are heavily involved in the, in the TV industry, uh, because it, it's about recruiting, it's about building your brand. And it's not just about athletics. It's about, I mean, cause we all know that, you know, teams have a, a NCAA tournament run or they have a good football team that increases enrollment. Students are interested in it. They want to become a part of it. And if you are cutting your nose off to spite your face because most of your stuff, you've got to get through three parts of the menu on your remote controller just to find the game, that, that you, you lose a lot of that. That that's just, Those are just the facts. Uh, or otherwise, everybody would be on all streaming. So, But they're not. And I think Brett Yormark kind of you know, was playing, playing chess a bit and kind of got in the front of the line and you know, soaked up a lot of that inventory. And so that's why, you know, the Foxes or the ESPNs aren't aren't near as interested, if any at all, on, on some of this stuff. And, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. And I, I think it's pointed out in the article, I don't want to be long-winded, but it's pointed out in the article, how close do the dollar figures have to be for them to go, okay, we're close enough, we'll take it, you know? And, you know, I think the Big 12 is getting like 31.6 is kind of the, the, the dollar figure that doesn't count NCAA tournament or Big 12 tournament or bowl games or college football playoffs. That's just strictly your, your media rights stuff. But, you know, are they willing to go, OK, we'll take 25 per year. We'll take 26 per year. You know, I, that that's going to be interesting to kind of see what those decision makers are OK with, because they are expecting or at least if, if they're there to be believed more money than the big 12 or as much. And then I think it's, it's sourced in there over half of our content will, will easily be on, on linear platforms. Cause you're, you're in that article, you're talking about the ion network, the CW channel. I mean, this, this is, I mean, this, right this, after Moesha, <laughs> this is tricky, man. So, <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, and maybe hey, I don't, run, I don't, I don't uh, really get the thought of them eclipsing the Big 12. If you said something like they probably could if they piecemealed it together, but nobody would see them because that uh, tell me where I'm off here, or maybe where we're talking about different things. But 
that thought was once upon a time based in like Apple or Amazon backing up the truck. And I read nothing to indicate that these streaming platforms are like saving them from a dollar figure standpoint anymore. If, if they are willing to give the premium game to one of these streaming networks, mm, okay. um, I, I think that comes with a hefty price tag. In other words, your your Big Twelve is Fox and ESPN, you know, and the the SEC is basically solely ABC, ESPN kind of thing. Um, what I'm saying is, I think that if you if you basically started, okay. We'll give a little bit of this to you, a little bit of this to you, a little bit of this to you, a little bit of this to you. It would be spread out a lot wider. Um, I think they probably could get similar to the Big 12, maybe even eclipse it if they piecemealed it together and and, and broke it up in, in a variety of different ways. It would just be really clunky and you wouldn't know where anything was. I can't imagine that anybody would be okay with that. But again, if they're if their main concern and the top of their list, let's make the most money we possibly can, unless we're just these people talking about all this are just completely off. <laughs> there's no way for them to do that without doing what I just described. And yeah, I, you're yeah sacrificing so. your future. You're looting the treasury while the nation is going down. Basically, yeah, I mean, there's it, no long term vision there. Right. Exactly. Whereas the Big Twelve and 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 Big Twelve now ESPN Plus. That's kind of been part of your brand. I think people are kind of used to it. Um, we we know if you want to go find some baseball games or some of these basketball games, you got to go to ESPN Plus. We know that uh, every football game is going to be televised. And- yeah. Hey, by the way, we've been soaked in it. Still sucks. I, I like the access, <laughs> but the process of it still sucks. I mean, it's not like something that just everybody is out there just uh, flipping through my Big Twelve Plus channel or my ESPN Plus <laughs> right. channels. I mean. I like, yeah, you can find some stuff you didn't previously find, but if somebody came up and said, hey, we'll put these on a cable network instead of this, you'd take that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Right. The, I, I never got how you would organize, from a Pac-12 perspective, the arrangement of, okay, Apple, you can have our biggest game that we have to offer and we're also going to entice ESPN and Fox with the rest of this stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. those things are not that's, going to coexist. In that's that way. what I'm saying. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. But you can, yeah. If, if you're willing to kind of sell it off in, in in pieces, I think there's enough there to where you can get. Because some of these folks, they don't want to be all in. They just want a little bit, or they want the best of. And I yeah. think that's certainly worth something. But. You know, I mean, because your your football content is the premium content. And if somebody off the top says, we want the pick of your best game every weekend for three straight months. Okay, now what do I have left to sell? Well, I've got some second tier football games that we, we can sell. But after you sell those off, I mean, there's not a whole lot there that is very valuable uh, when you're talking basketball and baseball and and you know all, all the different other sports so i'm just saying you got to maximize uh what, what that football content and, and maybe some basketball can bring you but it's not like we're talking about a big strong brand anyway so we, we we say all that to say keep an eye out uh don't assume i know there was a lot of bravado coming out of these decision makers from arizona arizona state utah and all that and a month ago or so, but that that seems to be kind of calmed down now, and nothing has happened. They were hoping for mid March on a TV deal. Guess what? Mm-hmm. Didn't happen. 
So, yeah. And even the presidents, chancellors, et cetera, of these universities uh, have got names on their paychecks that they've got to visit with at some point and uh, <laughs> satisfy. And look, the dollar is, is where the rubber hits the road, whether you are gender studies, biology lab, or the defensive tackle. Everyone is affected by what's happening with your athletics department, specifically your football program, the entire university. So I think, yeah, the bravado is expected from some of those maybe in bow ties who don't have televisions in their living rooms and good on you for reading. Reading is fundamental. Uh, but I would say that that's just kind of the part they play early on in these conversations, I guess. And I wouldn't be so damn gleeful about the destruction of the Pac-12 if they hadn't been just such consistent dickheads as it relates to the rest of us, not in the Pac-12 conference. So I will celebrate your destruction and uh, the rest of you that are not destroyed with it should just be thankful that you got a life raft somewhere. Is that too yeah. much? <laughs> and, and, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to give you some, some insight here in that I, I, I learned this recently. I, this surprised me. Um, I, I think that, you know, San Diego state has very much been in the news. I think it's no secret that maybe the big 12, over the last year has kind of, you know, kind of explored that as an option, an expansion option. We know that the PAC 12 maybe very recently has kind of said, you know, Hey, what, what, what do you think? So I think the Aztecs are a little more in play and their final four run does not hurt. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, losing in the, in the title game, but the program that has actually been very receptive to the Big 12 conference that hasn't gotten any play at all. And I and I was kind of not really very high on this as an option. But but if if they are interested, you take them and don't ask twice and you absorb them and you you again and I think that you wonder if that is enough to sink the Pac-12 ship or not. It doesn't matter. You're crazy not to add them and that's Colorado. Colorado has been very receptive to what the Big 12 has been talking about, discussing. Mm. I don't know if they are ready to jump per se. I just know they've been very uh their ears have been and, and they've been willing to talk and listen and engage <laughs> and I think that is that is worth noting because again Geography, brand with Dion there. Um, I, I just think that you know the Denver market. If we want to play that card, I mean, I think that that is a program that if if you could, uh, and again, any of those four corner schools, any of them that that give you a yes, you say done. Let, let's move on. If anybody hey, else wants to come with, yeah, I'm glad you bring that up. And I know we're running long, but I wanted to I wanted to mention this because you just said that, and that was kind of contrary to what I was thinking actually about any of the four corners. I almost feel like it's been kind of glossed over who is additive and who is dilutive to the Big 12 Conference among those four. I don't think they're all four equally additive. I do think ESPN and Fox know this, know who is and who isn't. But are all four maybe close enough, or are they just outright additive, Chris, really, when it comes to the, the cash pool? Because I, I know that's, at the end of the day, I think, where most of these decisions have to be made. Are you helping yourself, or are you just cutting off another chunk of the pie? Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, I think so. But I think um, 
I, I, I just think that these are these are schools that with their brand and location and the money that it comes with, I think this also bridges a gap of some sort to potential Gonzaga. Mm, um, okay. Yeah, I, I, I think I think that, you know, I- anybody of the four corner schools it, 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 that that allows you to continue to talk about the Gonzaga's, the UNLV's, maybe the San Diego State's. Um, and, and, and expanding again, I think that Brett Yormark is looking off into the distance, trying to project and trying to play the long game and the big picture here. And he's done enough due diligence out there to know that it's probably not smart for us to stay at 12 teams, right? which is what you're going to be after next year in Oklahoma and Texas depart. Um, and so you're trying to add as strong as you can you know, the, the, the brands that are out there. And if Colorado wants to say yes, or one of the Arizona schools or whatever, and again, you could take Colorado and, and, and everybody else in the PAC 12 could stay the same and they add San Diego state and away they go. I'm not suggesting that you're going to destroy, you know, the, the PAC 12 conference. If just Colorado says yes, but I, I think that again, you're you're better off with them in your league, big picture, than you are without. In my opinion, I mean, I think that that's a that's somebody you that would be good to grow old with. And again, I haven't been high of the four corner schools. I, I would say that Colorado brings you the least because they've been terrible at football. Basketball has kind of not been great. Uh, but it, it, if Dion gets that, I mean, the, the, this is a, a school that just put. I think they've sold out their spring game. They're going to put forty-five thousand people in the stands at their at their football spring is that game. Right? Kind of, I didn't see. Yes, that. <laughs> yes, it's kind of been a sleeping giant. Oh, for and, Dion. And, and he may turn it and then leave. So you don't do it based on a coach, just like right. Mark Few with Gonzaga. However. Um, I, I just think that, you know, it, I just haven't seen the Colorado thing kind of mentioned a whole lot. And no, it's I, just I, among that group, but it's not like the leader or like, hey, they're yeah. know, the most in play. I agree. You don't see because it if you way. notice, if you notice, go back to that three or four weeks ago, whenever I think it was the Arizona and Arizona State and the, the uh, Utah either chancellors or presidents, they kind of started doing some interviews and they started doing some 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 articles with some some news writers and things like that and they were fairly verbose with what they said and felt fairly confident and felt you know Brett Yormark's a salesman and all that stuff unless I missed it you didn't hear anything coming out of the Colorado camp not one bit and I think that is with what I know or what I've heard, I think that's very telling to me uh, that they weren't, they were just kind of sitting over there and, and and I'd be willing to bet that years ago, if they know what they knew now, Colorado would have never left the big 12. But again, what's done is done. And, the, and yeah, the, the, the Texas albatross, I don't yeah. know if that could have ever been bridged, but Colorado, Texas is gone. Come, It's safe for you now. They can't hurt you. Any, what am I kidding? They can still all hurt us, but they're on to, do their best to destroy their third consecutive conference. They're not here anymore. Colorado, it's safe. Come back. I didn't think I was going to end the show this way, asking it's Colorado an old, to come back. But It's an old Big 8 member. It's an True. old Big 8 member. They fit in perfectly with the Oklahoma States, the Iowa States, the Kansas schools. I yep. mean, there, there's a lot of rivalry and, like, history. And, you know, there was a time when when Colorado was really, really good, you know. and yep, so a national it, title. Absolutely, you know, Sean Salam, what it do? And they, 
<laughs> they have it. You know, yeah, we remember Cordell Stewart, Michael Westbrook. And I'm mm-hmm. not trying to sell the brand of Colorado. I'm just also suggesting that if you uh, if you get a yes from them, you, you you take it and move on, and you hope that that you get some more of those. But I just hadn't seen the Colorado thing reported as much. Well, and I think you do say you have to acknowledge uh, when it comes to like our all four no-brainer takes, or is there any discrepancy that would make you think twice about any of them? Uh, with what you're talking about there with Brett Yormark and what he wants for the Big 12 Conference, you would say, do you want schools? Yes. Okay, well, here's the feasible options of those who are on this level and then these other levels. And right now, feasible, whether geographic or any other reasoning, uh, is the four-corner options. That That's it. I mean, I think as far as what's left uh, geographically and for every other variety of reason, I feel like I'm full even mentioning geography in this day and age when it comes to conference realignment, but well, you get the idea. Yeah, but I, but I think I think this is one – this isn't Gonzaga. This fits – I mean, it's – it's just, you know, from Lubbock to Boulder, it's, I've made this trip before. We, we you know, I've, I've been to broadcast a, a game in Boulder before. It's an, it's a normal trip. And I think in that sense, they, they you know, geography fits perfectly. It's not like, uh, you know, it's not Orlando, Florida. It's not Morgantown, West Virginia. It's right here in the, in the Midwest. And they were part of a league with originally in the big 12 and then, and all that. So uh, I, I feel mm, like we, we've spent a ton of time talking about Colorado here, but I just think it's worth pointing out. And I, I think that their silence uh, speaks volumes here. So we'll we'll kind of see. And we're um, sure they're not just baked, right? <laughs> Zoned out. Yeah, they, they could be. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Con- con- concrete end zone. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah it, it's like, uh, and it, it, yeah, it says, you, you ever see, uh, I'm going to go way back here on you, but you ever seen Mork and Mindy? Of course, Nanu Nanu. Yeah, Nanu Nanu. Yeah. So I, I, I used to think uh, highly of Colorado because they were in the opening scenes of uh, Mork and Mindy way back in the day. <laughs> uh, that's a true story. Go go Google it if you don't believe me. Yeah, um, Mork, Mork is hanging out on the uh, goalpost RIP Robin Williams. He was a genius. Um, My man, yeah. we have covered all the bases now. There is not that's another right. base to cover. We've got to end the show because yeah. there literally right. is not another base yeah, to cover. RIP, right. Rob. Uh, Chris, great perspectives on Colorado, Robin Williams, and some other things we talked about, uh, I don't know, a few hours ago, it feels like we were talking tech sports too. So thanks for the time and insights on all of the above. You're not getting this wrapped up in one nice, neat little package anywhere else. So make sure if you're just taking a test drive today, you dive on in. What do I need to do to put you in a YouTube subscription today? Go ahead and head on over and subscribe if you haven't so far so you never miss an episode thanks for making us your first listen and make locked on college basketball your second listen on the locked on podcast network thanks again chris enjoyed it keep hope alive people we'll talk to you next time you got it be here tomorrow as we will wrap up the week on locked on texas tech